Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. everyone welcome to adventures in autism episode 129 i am megan carranza thank you so much for coming to listen if it is your first episode welcome so happy to have you and if you've been listening thank you so much for coming on back to the show and today i'm excited because i'm going to be starting a new kind of ongoing series that I'm calling Hot Topics, <laughs> which makes me feel like a cheesy daytime talk show host in like the 80s or 90s. I'm like Sally Jesse over here with my Hot Topics. But I mentioned, I think on the New Year's episode that I did with my sister, that I wanted to start doing this for several reasons, mainly because I get a lot of questions and some about topics that come up like daily. <laughs> like I get messages constantly asking questions about these sort of hot topics. And I, in the past, it's been something where, you know, I, I will, I'll, I'll kind of give whatever answer I can, but I always try to reflect on like episodes where these things have come up. And sometimes it's hard for me to remember like, oh, I talked about this with so-and-so or this came up with this episode. And a lot of times it's like bits and pieces that are coming up on the episodes, like in conversation. But I thought it would be really good to have, you know, specific episodes dedicated to these, you know, one subject at a time on things that just come up a lot and are common sort of, you know, questions and concerns like within this community. So today we're going to talk about AAC and kind of our our journey with with Logan's device and even before that talking about kind of you know just our our whole communication journey basically and I wanted to start there because this is one that just comes up I mean basically like I said almost daily at this point so I thought it would be good to just kind of cover all my bases and then if anyone has a question I can say hey you should check out this episode where I really go into detail and all those things um, I also, I know for sure I want to do an episode about our medication journey and, you know, starting medication and kind of what that's looked like. And then I want to do one about difficult behaviors, some of the more, you know, challenging behaviors that, that we have dealt with. I want to do one about IEPs and the whole process and like getting started, especially for parents who are like newer to the IEP process and then kindergarten transition. Those are all things that I get asked about a lot. And then also after I had did that episode, I asked if people had any of these kind of hot topics that they were interested in in having me cover on the show. And those were all suggested. So if you have another one that you are wanting to hear more about, or just, you know, curious about our journey, I will say these are all going to be really from our personal perspective and what we've gone through regarding these certain topics. So, you know, everyone's journey is different and take it with a grain of salt. But like everything I share in this show, I'm I'm really just sharing because I think listening to other people's journeys is helpful. And especially when it comes to, you know, certain topics, obviously autism, there's a whole range of topics <laughs> that we get into about this show. But I like the idea of having these like specific episodes where you can really kind of break it down. And then, like I said, I have 
you know, episodes to kind of navigate listeners to if they're have questions about any specific topic. So let me know if there's anything else you want to talk about. And like I said, today we're going to talk all about AAC. So for those who maybe are not as familiar, AAC stands for Augmentative and Alternative Communication. I've also occasionally seen it as Assisted and Alternative Communication, but I think the Augmentative is the the real kind of acronym for that. And the interesting thing to me about AAC is that I was always kind of under the impression that the actual device like was that kind of encompassed everything with AAC. But the truth is there are a lot of communication systems that kind of fall under that umbrella. And I think a lot of times like the devices sort of get the spotlight, which is great. I think devices are amazing. But there are a lot of low-tech kind of options that I think are amazing and sometimes work better for kids than, you know, just jumping right to the device. So I'm going to get into all that. But to kind of backtrack, when Logan was in early intervention, which he started right at two, he was evaluated at, at 20 months and we started like right after that. So we started speech therapy we also started OT, um, but we started peach therapy once a week. And at the time we were doing some sign language. Again, he was like just about two or a little less than two. And we started introducing some signs and that was really exciting. Cause that was like th- really the first intentional communication that we had seen or heard from Logan. He was babbling a lot at that point. He had a lot of I shouldn't even say babbling. It's more what they call jargon. I thought it was babbling. This is getting kind of specific. But when when Logan was first evaluated for earlier intervention, they asked me, like, does he babble a lot? And honestly, like, I have videos of him when he was even, like, three months old just chatting up a storm. Like, more so probably even than my daughters who, if anyone knows, like, they, they never stop talking. <laughs> but, like, as babies, I don't think they, they babbled anywhere extra or anything like that. But Logan, like Manny and I were shocked. Like he was, he was so vocal from a really early age. But then what we saw was that those vocalizations weren't really becoming anything. They were kind of staying in that vocalization category. And now looking back, we know that a lot of that was vocal stimming because it was very repetitive. And there was like certain sounds that he would use with like different inflections. Like if he was happy or if he was sad or he was tired there's one in particular, he doesn't really say it much anymore, but occasionally we still hear it. But when he was a baby, he used to say all the time, he would say, Akika, Akika. And he, if he was excited, it would be like, Akika, Akika. It was so cute. (laughs) And if he was sad, it was like, Akika. And it was like, this was how he communicated, like how we understood what was going on with him because he would do his little Akika in certain, like I said, different inflections. So, we saw that as babbling as, you know, naive first time parents. And that was what I told these professionals when they came in to evaluate him. And they told me that that's really considered jargon. And the difference really is that babbling kind of sounds like words, like baby words, you know, like if you were to, to, to talk to a baby and they would babble back to you and it kind of almost sounds like you're having a conversation. Whereas jargon, like Logan was doing, it's repetitive. It, you know, it sounds the same. It doesn't necessarily have like that flow, like a conversation would, where it's like an answer kind of a thing. 
So that was, that was one of the first times that I remember feeling like, oh, wow, I really know nothing. (laughs) I felt like, oh, I was so excited to tell them like, yeah, he babbles a ton. He makes all these sounds. And I was like, oh, okay. Those are not really the sounds that we're looking for. Uh, Nonetheless, we're always happy for any sounds. We'll take all of them. But basically from there, like I said, we started doing some signs and the one I remember specifically mostly him doing was more, which anyone who knows the little sign for more, it's like you kind of pinch your fingers together and then tap your two hands together. And it was so cute when he would do it. He would, you know, want more milk or more chips or whatever. And Manny and I were just like, I mean, we were so over the moon for him already, but we just, we loved it so much. And just having like any intentional communication from him felt incredible. So that was kind of like the beginning with, you know, a communication device was using sign language. And then we also introduced a little bit of picture exchanged through early intervention. Not a ton, but we did have like, I had a a few little kind of Velcro packs that we kept and we would, we would try like during sessions, if he wanted like cookies, we would have his, his speech therapist would have, you know, the little bowl of cookies and he'd have to give the packs to get the cookies. Like it was, this was like very early packs. And he, at at first at that age, like around two, he, he didn't seem to take to it too well. He wasn't very interested in doing the packs. And then after a year of early intervention, which we did, it was interesting. Like during the sessions, we would pull a lot of words out of him and we would get him to say different things. And looking back now, I think it was, I, I wouldn't say that Logan is echolalic. Echolalia is not really something that he does, but I think some really like a lot of that early communication was more like him repeating things. It, it was more him, we call during an ABA, they called it a coex, which is like they did programs with him specifically for him to repeat. And they didn't call it that when we were doing speech therapy, but that's basically what it was, was we were kind of like feeding him words and we would, we would hear him repeat the words. But again, any communication was amazing at that point. I remember there was one, one session in particular where he said the word more, like we were, you know, doing the sign with him, but also getting him to say it. And he said the word more and I burst into tears. Like I just lost it. Cause I mean, at that point we'd heard a few words from him, but they were never intentional and they were very sporadic and just inconsistent. So hearing any like intentional language from him, I mean, it's it's still so exciting whenever we hear him say a word, but especially at that time, I mean, I was like a ball of emotions. I had no idea what was going on. I really didn't know up from down. And yeah, so hearing any of those words were amazing. But at the end of that year, we really kind of looked back and realized like, even though we would pull these words out of him during the session, we wouldn't then see that translating into him, you know, using them in everyday life. Or even, like I said, even sporadically, like it was like, we would hear these words, maybe they would pop up every now and then, but it wasn't, his vocabulary wasn't growing. So from there we started school, which within our district, he was in the special needs program and the special education program. And he was getting speech therapy at school. And I've talked about this before, but that the, the very first, because his birthday is in December, he didn't start until after Christmas break. So he really didn't start until January. So starting kind of mid-year 
was it was it was a little odd just with with him like getting him going and I mean him starting school was was tough in general I'll talk more about this when I do the you know kind of IEPs and all that or kindergarten transition get kind of get into more of the school stuff but as far as the speech goes he this was also before we had moved into our our current house we were in a different school district and the speech therapist that he worked with at that preschool was just not very good at engaging him and we I really saw like zero progress from him from like January to you know end of May or whatever when when school got out and that was a that was definitely a tough time because he he did not yet have a diagnosis that was when we were really like seeking the diagnosis and we were on an eight-month wait list so that was definitely a really tough time like looking back I would say that was like one of the most most emotional times for me because like Liliana was a baby and she was colicky I've mentioned that before but a colicky baby will make you absolutely insane (laughs) um and I just felt like there there was always so much emphasis that Manny and I put on Logan's speech and for the longest time like even though autism was in the back of our mind we just kept feeling like oh but if we can just get him to talk like all our problems will go away again this I see it so differently now but this was genuinely how I felt at the time was like well like maybe he doesn't have autism maybe just has a speech issue and I've talked to a lot of other parents that I think feel the same way like speech tends to be oftentimes the catalyst for these things and for us it it definitely was and it was it was definitely our biggest hang-up was like getting getting speech and focusing on speech and not that I think there's anything wrong with that but I think there was so many other things that we were kind of missing because we were just so focused on the speech and just wanting to make the speech happen, making fetch happen. So after we finished that school year, like I said, we moved over that summer, actually right at the end of the school year, we moved and we were in a different school district and we were really excited because this was like a better school district. And kind of right off the bat, I feel like things turned around in terms of like just support at school. I felt like he had a really great team. That being said, the the speech therapist at his preschool that he had for two years was definitely not my favorite. Her and I did not see eye to eye on a lot of things, but I also was still like very green at this time and, and still, I think just really trusting and not, and just really didn't know the path. And so I was like trusting anyone who seemed to know the path and the speech therapist, she was very nice. I think she cared about Logan. I think she was, you know, kind and compassionate. But the issue during those preschool years was she was really interested in doing a core board, which I know I've talked to many of you and your kids are using core boards, which a core board, it's it's almost like packs, but it's like a big board with all the icons like laid out as opposed to like the little, you know, just like single icons. And you point to the icons like that's how how you navigate the the core board and and then communicate and Logan just did not respond well (laughs) to the core board and he we just never seemed to get much progress out of him so that first year of preschool again I I was I was very green. We were in the process of like leading up to the diagnosis, getting prepared. He got diagnosed in March of, of that year, that, that first like full year of preschool. So we had been on the wait list like that whole time we were, you know, 
getting things going. I had tons of paperwork and, but it did feel like a lot of waiting. And again, it's not like I didn't feel supported at school. Cause I felt like everybody was like really in our corner, but looking back now, I do feel like there was some missed opportunities because the core board was just not serving him. And I just, I really didn't know enough then to know like, okay, we need to try something else. Like I didn't even know everything that was out there. We, they were using packs like in the classroom. They had some packs, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the full on system. So it wasn't until the next year when we had ABA and Logan's BCBA had said that she would make him a PECS book that we could use at home and during sessions. And it was just a little binder, like a small three ring binder. And it had different pages. And if anyone hasn't seen a, like a PECS book before, um, there's, or PECS in general, they tend to have like Velcro on the back. And then there's like lines of Velcro in the book. So he could like flip through the book to find whatever it was that he wanted. So to begin with, it was really kind of simple and he would, we'd, we'd have an up packs for like a bag of chips and he would have to, you know, give us the packs to get the chips. And it was funny because I had told Anna, his BCBA, I'm like, you know, we've kind of used packs in the past because we had, we had like an introduction to packs during early intervention and then, like I said, they used them a little bit at school. So I had, like, I remember I used to have on our refrigerator, I had, like, a few lines of Velcro with, like, some of his packs. And I had great intentions of being, like, you know, you're going to hand us the packs whenever you want something. If you want, you know, water or, or apple or whatever. And he was just never interested in using those with us. I think it's because, to start with, we, it was kind of like a lackadaisical system and it definitely, it was not very effective. So I remember telling her like, I don't know how he's going to do with these packs. Cause like he hasn't been super into them in the past. And Anna was like, let me make a book and I'll, I'll really organize it. So it was like, things were kind of categorized. So it'd be like one page with like all the food that he liked. One page would be like some of the toys that he liked. Another, another one would be like the TV shows he wanted to watch or activities like going outside or swinging. So all these different icons that were organized better and the, the very front page, we would keep like some of his favorites. So some of his favorite foods, if you wanted to easily grab one or, you know, like go to the bathroom or play outside. And then there was a sentence strip. So the sentence strip would kind of be at the bottom of the page. And it was like a longer kind of laminated rectangle piece with the Velcro strip on there. And we didn't start using the sentence strip. We would just start with like a single packs and then maybe, maybe worked up to two. But I remember like kind of by the end of our packs journey, he was doing, using the sentence strip and we wanted him to do three to four word sentences. So instead of just like, you know, if it was chips it w and he was just like giving us the chips, we wanted him to make a sentence on the strip and then hand us the whole strip. So it would say like, I want chips, please. And that would be like the, the full sentence. And he got so good at packs and it was amazing because once we, we had that packs book and again, even that first year when he was in preschool, for whatever reason, his, his speech therapist, I mean, I told her like, Oh, we we're using this PECS book at home. He's doing great with it. He uses it in, in ABA therapy. She still wanted that core board. So looking back, that is definitely something that I, I wouldn't say I have regret over it, but had I known what I know now, I would have pushed more to have that PECS book be like kind of the universal way that we had him communicate in school at home in therapy. Because once we went to kindergarten, 
that's what we did. And that made a huge difference. So once he, he was done with preschool and we, like I said, we'll get into the whole transition because that was a, another huge, that was a, a, a long process of figuring out what kindergarten that he wanted to go in, what program to go with. We had, we had a few options that were presented to us, but then I even did more research like outside of that to just be the most educated that I could be on picking the right program for him. Um, but basically once he started kindergarten and he is in, you know, a, a, a specialized program, like the, the class that he attends is not in our district and it is his classes specifically basically for autism. All the kids in his class have autism. They use the STAR curriculum, which uses like ABA principles. So it is very specialized and we are extremely thankful for that because like I said, I, I felt supported in preschool, but like now his team is, oh my gosh, we are, we are so, so lucky because he is, he's so supported and we're just so blessed to have like amazing people. And right off the bat, I felt like the, the speech therapist that he was working with in kindergarten, I just felt like she knew her stuff. Like I would ask her a question and she just immediately had an answer for me and immediately had like the follow-up answer. And it was just very different than the dynamic I'd had with his speech therapist in preschool. So I was really excited. And at that point, we also, early on in the year, her and I had kind of a sit down and I had said to her, I'm like, oh yeah, well, we're using, we use a PEX book at home. And she was like, oh my gosh, well, you got to send it to school. Like we, we should be using that. And I'm like, I had always wanted to do that, but in preschool they were using the core board. And the way that she explained it to me is she's like, you know, some speech therapists get hooked on one thing. And it's like, they, they want every kid they're working with to use this one thing. And, you know, obviously, especially when it comes to autism, every kid is so different, but just in general, every kid is so different and not one thing is going to work for every kid. So that was kind of how his, his speech therapist had explained it to me. And she's like, you know, she maybe had success with like a, a couple different kids and then felt like this was just like what she wanted to put all her stock into. And obviously at that point with Logan, we'd had a couple years now that we were using PECs and it was working really well at home and an ABA. So why not, you know, bring it to school? So we did. And that was awesome because his speech therapist at school kind of give us, gave us like our PEX book 2.0. She remade the whole thing and the, all, all of his PECs, which were like falling apart at this point and like had sticky from like fruit snacks and whatnot. She made us like all new PECs. And we had this beautiful, pristine, organized PEX book with way more PECs in it. And he was just doing awesome. He immediately just took to it and like I said was building those sentences and using more and more words and I remember at that at that meeting so we, we made him the new PAX book and then I, I came back and we did another meeting and she kind of showed me the new PAX book and it was amazing and I remember at that meeting her saying you know the idea is that we keep adding PAX to this and we keep you know making new pages to the point where he's you know grown out of it and then he needs a device and that really, for me, kind of planted a seed because at this point, I, I knew a little more and I knew that there were kids that use speech devices and I had seen them in action a little bit. I actually, I think the first person I ever saw was uh, Kate from Finding Cooper's Voice. She had posted a video of Cooper using his device and I just thought it was like amazing and so cool. And I I knew that at that point, 
that was something that I really wanted for Logan. So I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll come back and kind of finish and wrap up to where we are now. So stay tuned. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like Something Borrowed or Something Blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, so jumping back in, like I said, I had had that meeting with his speech therapist. And again, this was like the very beginning of kindergarten. So once she had mentioned that, you know, like the possibility of an AAC in the future was on the table, that really became my goal for him. And I should say, I, I talked about this a little bit on the last solo episode I did where I kind of like went over our whole journey and sort of where we started and where we are now. At this point, I also had really, you know, had a change of heart and I shouldn't say change of heart, but I just had a lot more awareness and acceptance around language and speech and communication. And as much as I wanted Logan to talk, I, at this point he was, you know, he was six and I just, I, I felt in my heart that the best thing to do for him was to focus on any kind of effective communication and just more and more kind of let go of pushing speech. And again, I always had, had hope for him to speak and I always will, but more than anything, I just, I wanted him to have that, that, you know, those tools to be able to communicate effectively. And I still have conversations with parents fairly often who, you know, they're, they're concerned about starting with any kind of AAC, whether it's like I was saying, like the low tech kind of options like PEX or a core board or whatever it is, or, you know, starting a device that they feel if they, you know, give their child these, these other means to communicate, then it will, you know, take the precedent over talking. And again, we're, we're all in different spots in our journey. So it's like, I don't, I don't ever want to like skew anyone any which way, but from my understanding, what I've been told by like every speech therapist and what I really have seen is that, you know, some language leads to more language and some communication leads to more communication. And even if, you know, it, it seems counterproductive to say, Hey, I really want you to talk, but you know, here's this device. It, it really does help just open those lines of communication. And then sometimes more words come. I know for sure with us, like, again, I wouldn't say Logan's speech is consistent, but he has plenty of words. That's a question I get a lot is like, does Logan have any words? Yeah, he does. I wouldn't say that he's 
conversational. And like I said, they're, they're pretty inconsistent. So it's not something we want to rely on necessarily because if we're, if we're trying to rely on his speech, we're not going to get very far. But with, you know, at, at, at that point using packs, he had a lot. He was able to tell us way more than he was able to verbalize. And that's such a gift for him. And as a parent, like just knowing, you know, the basic stuff of like what your kid wants or needs, that was really important. So like I said, at that point I had really, you know, made up my mind that like, okay, I really want to get Logan into a device. So from there, we really started to see a lot of progress because we did have the whole team on board and, you know, we were using the PAX book at home and during ABA therapy and then at school, like everyone was using this one mode of communication. And like I said, he was doing great with PAX of four, but at this point he like took off, he was a whiz and we were constantly adding words and we were adding pages. Like I said, we had some kind of categorized pages before we had twice as many now. So it really, it was starting to feel more tangible that like Logan would be, you know, kind of ready for a device. So at the end of his kindergarten year, his teacher had sent home kind of a questionnaire sort of going into his IEP meeting of things that I would like to see the following year and kind of just where I, where I was at and what kind of goals I had for Logan, which again, when I talk about IEP stuff, I'll, I'll mention that because that I think is, was so helpful and she's continued to do that. And it's been awesome because I mean, communication is I think always key, but especially when it comes to IEPs and gearing up for them, just, you can never communicate too much. Um, and I had said on that questionnaire that I was really hoping that Logan, they they felt that also that Logan was ready for the device. And what I appreciated was back in the beginning of the year when I had that conversation with her, you know, when she was saying, we want to get him to the point where he's ready for the device. I, like I said, I knew a little bit about devices, but I didn't know much. And I had said to her, I'm like, okay, so, you know, is it, is it just him using the packs more consistently that you want to say? Like, what exactly, what specifically do you think would make him be ready for the device? And the way that she explained it to me, which I thought was really helpful, was that, you know, we all want our kids to communicate and we want them to communicate effectively. But if, if you're, if you're just giving them this device and they haven't necessarily done the low tech stuff or they haven't just like kind of grasp the concept of like communication in general of like, oh, if I, if I use this to tell them this, I'll get that. And I can see what she's saying because like I said, Logan was so good at PECs at that point. So the transition to the AAC was very smooth and and it was pretty clear like when he was ready. So with what she had said to me and then just going through that whole year, I felt really confident that he was ready. And it was great because his teacher got right back to me before we even had the meeting. And she was like, you know, Mindy and I, Mindy was this uh, speech therapist. She's like, we are totally on the same page. We also think he's ready for the device. So that was super exciting. And I was like over the moon. I was so thrilled for him to be getting this device. I will say there was, there was some contention at the, that IEP because we were all in agreement that he was ready to start trialing the devices. So because we went through the district and I should say there are other ways to 
to get a device, I mean, first of all, you can purchase one yourself. Like usually it's, it's an iPad or, you know, some other kind of tablet type of device. And there's just programs that you can, you can purchase. If this is something like you really want right now, you can also go through your insurance. And if you, you know, show that your child is qualifying and, and needs a speech device, your insurance can, can provide a device for you. What kind of device, how long that takes, that's all you're at the mercy of like your insurance. <laughs> um, I know there's also sometimes there's like some state programs that they can give you a device. Again, those are not, we didn't go down that avenue. So I can only speak to our experience, which was going through our school district. So technically, like even though Logan's device, you know, we we signed an agreement. A lot, a lot of this is like very legal. So it's, I mean, I guess, I guess you could say it's ours because it's not, they can't like come take it from him. Um, but it's, it does technically belong to the school district and they are the ones who provided it to him. So at this meeting at his IEP at the end of the year, it was like end of April, early May, you know, we were all in agreement that he should have a device, but we, we had the summer ahead of us and, I was ready like, okay, right now, like you guys are saying you want him to get the device. I want this device right now. I was like hell bent on getting this device. And there, there was some back and forth at the meeting. Cause I really felt like, well, you know, we can have him work on it in school for a few weeks. And then by the time we bring it home this summer, he will, he'll be like somewhat familiar with it. And I was promising them like, I am going to work on it with him. And his speech therapist was pretty adamant that she did not want him to start with the device until the fall. So in, in September of that following school year. And looking back now, I totally understand why she felt that way. I was very naive (laughs) and very green. Like I said, in terms of devices, I just didn't know all that it entailed. And not that I think it can't be done, but I'm, I am glad that we, took the path that we did because I, I think we have had such success with his device because we did wait. And basically in that meeting, even though I was coming hard and just, I was like, no, no, I promise we will, we will work on it. Cause her concern was if we send this device home with you, that he's not super comfortable with, then it's going to end up, you know, either not getting used at all or kind of turning into a toy. And I think that that does seem to happen. I talk to a lot of parents who will say, my child is like completely uninterested in the device. And I I do think, I don't want to say like there's a right and a wrong way to do it, but I do think like there, there are steps that if you follow these steps, I think they are very helpful to you in getting that functional communication. I Again, I don't think that it's like there's one way it can be done, but I think waiting until your child is, is really ready for the device. And maybe again, maybe that means starting with, you know, lower tech options. I, I don't, I think we all have this idea of like, oh, we're going to get this device and our kid's going to take off. And like, I wish that was the case for everybody, but I think sometimes it's just not the reality. So even though I fought her so hard and she even, you know, she said in the meeting, she's like, Megan, I think you are such a great advocate for Logan. And she's like, as a mom, I feel you. And I would be fighting just as hard, but she's like, as a professional and as a speech therapist, I have to go by what's best practice. And 
it really is important for him to get the proper training for, for me to get the proper training and just give it time and not rush it. So I, I took that. I was like, okay, all right, I will back down. <laughs> um, cause sometimes it's like, you know, you, you, you're always ready to like stick up for your kid and, and put up the fight when you need to. But sometimes you have to know when, when it's time to put down your dukes, you know? And that was how I felt in that moment. And like I said, I, I'm glad that we did. So we continued using packs throughout the summer and it worked out just fine, but we were very ready in September to get started. And so this was last September. So 2020, which obviously that things, or I'm sorry, 2019. So, which obviously the school year kind of derailed after, you know, January, February, <laughs> it was in March that we all went home. Um, but in, in September of that year, Logan got his device. And like I said, we started with like a trial period with the device because there are many different programs. And the couple, the, the two that I was really interested in from doing research was the one that he's using now, which is Touch Chat. And then also there's another one called LAMP, L-A-M-P. And both of those I had kind of seen a little bit in action. Logan's uh, BCBA at the time had had another child who used LAMP and she was like, oh, I, I think that this would be good for Logan. I feel like he would use it well. And then I wanted to try touch chat because the icons looked very similar to PEX and I just thought it would be a good transition for him. So I was actually kind of thinking we would start with LAMP first, but his speech therapist was like, let's start with touch chat because it does look like packs and he might have an easier time translating again in, in retrospect, that makes more sense. And I'm glad that we did that. Um, but basically when we started the trial period, he had used it a little bit at school and at first his device stayed at school. And the reason for that is because he was really still getting used to it. I mean, having a device is, somebody had said to me that it's like learning a new language and it is so true and it's proven true time and time again. There is a, a lot that goes into it. And I, I have a, a highlight bubble on my, um, on my Instagram. So if, if you haven't checked that out, look at the AAC and I'll, when I post this episode, I will post more and talk more about Logan's AAC and share more, but th there really is so much to navigate. It's not as simple as like, you know, clicking buttons. It really is very nuanced and it takes some time. So that was, again, kind of going back to best practice. His speech therapist was like, I think we will use it with him at school for the first month or so just to introduce it. And we were going back and forth between PECs and the device. Both were always available to him. And what we did in the beginning, especially was if he, if he used his pecs and was like asking, if he was asking for like more chips or more candy and we felt he'd had enough, we'd be like, okay, no, like you've had enough with pecs, but anything he requested with the device, we would honor. So if it, it like I said, even if it was more candy, <laughs> we would be like, oh, sure. You want more candy? Cause we were trying to, you know, reinforce that he, we wanted him to be using the device. So after about a month, I came in and did a training session with his speech therapist. And I was, I mean, this was like, you know, learning German or something for me. And it was, it was very, it was very foreign to me. And again, I had, I had seen devices, but I'd never really even like played with them before. So she showed me 
just some kind of simple stuff to kind of get my feet wet. And I was really excited because even though I, I knew we had a lot to learn, I felt like, okay, we have the ball rolling. So I did, I, I think at least, at least one more session with her, maybe two before the device came home, because her thought was if we, if we send the device home now before he's really comfortable with it, then we, like me and Manny and his therapy team, we were going to be the ones who were going to have to really kind of model more for him. So she wanted to make sure that I had had some training before we sent it home. Because otherwise, like if, if we didn't have the training and he was still not really comfortable, again, then it, it may just kind of get pushed to the side, not used or used improperly. And that's all stuff we really wanted to avoid. We wanted to like set good habits with this device from the start. So after a couple months, the device came home. I want to say, I know it was like, it was before Christmas break for sure. Or I'm sorry, before um, Thanksgiving break. So it was probably like sometime, I think it was like mid-October-ish the, the device came home. And again, we were, we were still using both the device and the packs, fading out the packs more and more. But it, it wasn't for a few months that we fully faded out packs and, you know, stopped sending it back and forth because he was relying on his device so much. And I think that was also really important because I, you know, I felt like, again, like, let's just jump in at first. And I think all these things that thankfully these professionals knew better than me really did help have this kind of smooth transition into him using his device and has led to success for him. So once the device came home, I did a couple training sessions with his therapy team, his ABA team, because we wanted him to be able to use his device now during sessions. Like he was using his PEX. We did a, a lot with his PEX book in during sessions. So that was, again, we were all kind of learning something new and there were definitely some kinks, but we were, we were all really eager and excited to help him and get started with this. And again, I just think Logan was ready. I think he was at a really good spot and we had sort of done all these little things leading up to it to prepare him for this, to get him started with his AAC. So obviously, again, last year, things kind of got derailed. We did start working with a private speech therapist, I believe in like February of last year, because we only had a few sessions with her before COVID hit. And then we tried doing virtual sessions, but that was kind of a nightmare. So she's amazing. And she's like an expert in devices. And we were still working with her. We're kind of on a pause right now because we're having insurance issues since we got new insurance, but I'm still in communication with her and she's still very helpful. Logan also has a new speech therapist at school who's like a colleague of hers. So even though one is private and one is through the district, they are in communication and they're both fabulous. They've known each other for a long time, so they work together really well and we are just benefiting from that for sure. And his, his new speech therapist, before the school year started again because of COVID. I haven't met her in person, but we did a couple different phone calls and meetings over Zoom just to, so she could kind of be caught up to speed with everything with Logan since he has a new speech therapist. The one that he had before who I still really like and I think is awesome. She is just, his, his co-op that he's in is huge and there's a bunch of schools and her kind of like jurisdiction changed. So she's just not at his school anymore. But yeah, we, we love his new speech therapist and she's awesome. So as far as like his actual communication now, I mean, it's, he really does use his device for everything. And there are times when 
you know, he wants something and he starts using gestures or pulling us in a certain direction. And as long as we say to him, like, use your words, use your talker, he will just direct right over and be able to, to use his talker. And I would say we're still, you know, working on expanding all the time. I would love to have more kind of, you know, conversational communication with him or for him to tell me more kind of like feelings and things like that. Um, so we're modeling that all the time. That was one of the things that his private speech therapist said is like, if there's a time where it's really obvious that he's happy and he's laughing, you know, go to his device and model like you're feeling happy. And so we'll do that. Or if he's upset or frustrated, I'll, you know, I'll do like you're feeling frustrated, like just to kind of put, put the, the word to that feeling. Um, and that's been really helpful. We, we've seen him kind of dabble in that a little bit. It's not like super reliable at this point, but the great thing is he really can tell us like anything he, he needs as far as like, you know, if he's hungry or thirsty or if he wants to go outside or lately he's been really wanting to take baths. So he can tell me he wants to take a bath or sometimes he'll tell us he wants to go in the car. And it's really nice when, you know, we just, we have so much more communication like at our fingertips and it's not, it's not always easy. Cause again, there's a lot to navigate, but it, it's, it's such a gift to even be able to access that, whether it's, you know, easy or not, knowing that we can communicate with him in such an effective way is incredible. So that's kind of our, our whole AAC journey. Um, if you have any more questions, let me know. I'm always happy to talk about it, but that's really, that's what everything has gone into it for us with, you know, getting his AAC. That's oftentimes the question I get is like, how did you get it? (laughs) Um, and then again, it's like, how did you choose the program? How did you, oh, I should say. So he had a pretty long trial period. We didn't actually sign the agreement that this was like the program we were going with, which is the same one we started with, which is touch chat until it was actually like right before all the COVID stuff. I think it was in February. So that was really lucky that we, that we did it then. Um, cause we like, yeah, we signed the agreement. We said, you know, this is the program we want to go with. And we ended up going with that one just because he, he was doing so well with it and he had been doing well with it right off the bat, but we kind of kept it in the trial period just to kind of give us that safety net in case we did want to try something else. Or, you know, if things did start to go South, we, we just kept it in that trial period for, for really a while. Like I said, it wasn't until February that we were like, okay, this is the one that we want to stick with. And, you know, down the road, we can always change that. What I like about touch chat though, is that it really does kind of grow with him. There's like different programs within touch chat. So the one that he's doing is it's called touch chat 60 and it's called 60 because there's 60 icons on the screen at any time. So there's definitely more like simple kind of programs where they maybe only have like a few icons on the screen. And if your child is you know, way newer to device or like any kind of communication system, the the more like simple kind of easier, um, programs are probably a good place to start. And there's also touch chat 30, which we had discussed, you know, starting with touch at 30 because it, it is less to navigate. So there's not, there's not as many sort of clicks you have to do to get to each thing. But his speech therapist at the time felt like, you know, let's start with a 60. If we need to go down to 30, we can. You also can do something. We never had to do it with him, but you can hide some of the icons. So like on, on his homepage, there's there's a lot of different icons that kind of like lead to other things. But if they have like favorites, 
um, things that they're often clicking, you can kind of hide the other ones. So you just like highlight the ones that they use a lot. Um, again, we never have to do that with Logan because he really did well navigating from the very start. There has been a few times where we have had to, there's, there's been a few different, um, icons that we've wanted him to just, to kind of highlight more. So especially we wanted to highlight for him, I need a break. That was something last year we were working on a lot just because we saw, we saw a regression with him actually with potty training, which, oh yeah, potty training is definitely another hot topic that I'll get into. Um, but we were having a lot of potty regressions last year in the beginning of the school year, especially. And we, what we found was that he was, he was having accidents oftentimes when it was like, he was trying to get out of something. If he was trying to get out of work at school, he would like just seemed to have an accident. And at first we weren't sure if that's what he was doing, but it, it happened so frequently that we figured out that was what he was doing. So there, there's an icon for, I need a break. And we ended up, you know, all of his icons have a border. That's another thing too, is with touch at 60, you have the option of having like very little space between each of the icons, or you can have a border and there's more space. We did do that with him because that meant it was easier for him to kind of isolate on whichever icon he wanted. We also, I remember, had a delay on them for a while because there was a time when he would kind of graze the keys. He wasn't as like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He wasn't as like specific with, with whatever he was touching. He was kind of grazing over the keys. So we had a delay on it for a while because then he had to really like be intentional with holding it down to get that whatever key it was that he was pressing to pop up in the sentence bar. Cause at the top of his touch chat, there's all the 60 different icons and then there's the sentence bar. Again, this is hard to explain without a visual. I will, I will post some videos and stuff when I post this episode so you can see a little bit more. Um, but having the borders really helps because it, it does help him to isolate and just be more specific with, with, which each key he's trying to hit. And then, like I was saying with the, I need a break, we even put like a thin red border around that just to make it kind of stand out a little more for him as a reminder, because we really wanted him to be able to tell us that he needed a break as opposed to, you know, forcing an accident and having that whole thing happen. So there's been a few different times where if we're really trying to get him to, you know, communicate on one thing, we will, we'll add that border or whatnot. We do have the delay it's turn. it's still turned on, but it's, it's much, much faster. I think it was like a, a, a 0.3 second and now it's maybe like 0.1. So just a little delay just to make sure he's intentional with, with each key that he's hitting. Um, but I think that's really it as far as like the AAC goes. Again, there's so many different programs. I do think, even though, like I said, you, you can do this on your own. I do think having a professional to guide you, it, in my opinion, it's the way to go. And I feel like that about most things on this journey. Again, a professional that you trust and value their opinion, not just like someone who's telling you what to do. But I was very, very trusting in his team. And I, I knew that they really had his best interest at that point. So going with, with touch chat, that was at the suggestion of his SLP felt, felt good. And then when we actually decided to, you know, make it his permanent communication program, it, it, it felt good. But I think, again, just having someone to, to train you and to show you these things. I remember talking to, um, Tara from her podcast, Autism Grown Up, and she has the amazing account, such a great resource for, you know, really anybody, but especially with 
kids who are a little bit older or like getting into adult years or are adults. And she was telling me her two brothers that are on the spectrum, they were able to get devices through Medicaid. And both of them have verbal skills, but again, they wanted something that was just going to, you know, help kind of expand their communication. So they were able to get their devices through Medicaid, but they had like zero training and their, her brothers at that point, like really didn't know how to use these devices. Her parents were like, I'm stumped. So it it ended up not being very effective. I should follow up with her and see how things are now. (laughs) But I remember telling her at the time, like, yeah, it's, it's really been helpful to have someone to kind of guide me through this process. So Whatever route it is that you choose to take, I think find someone who who knows their stuff and can help you or hopefully you're in a position where, you know, you you have someone like on the team who can help you because I think that that does make a huge difference. Like I said, I, I hear from parents a lot where they're like, my kid has no interest in the device and, you know, maybe like their their team isn't as savvy with devices and then it's it's hard because you're kind of stuck. Um, and then you're doing like a lot on your own as a parent and you know, we're, we're used to doing a lot, but it is nice when, (laughs) when someone can help out. So definitely keep that in mind. I think there's a lot of different routes you can go, but I would say don't necessarily choose like the easiest route just to get the device, choose the route that's going to be the most helpful to you and your child. So it doesn't, it's not always the quickest or the easiest, like I said, but it's, it's oftentimes like those things that take a little bit longer, you know, patience is a virtue. <laughs> I had to learn that. Cause like I said, I wanted that device so bad over the summer and yeah, looking back now, I know for sure we, that would have been a disaster. Like we would not have been using it. It, it probably would have been, you know, sitting, gathering dust and, just not been helpful to Logan. And so I, I'm very thankful now because we just, we, we got everything off on a, on a really good path and yeah, he's, he's expanding all the time. It's really cool when I do meetings with his team at school, they can actually pull data from his device and see like, what are the words he's using the most? What are the phrases he's using the most? What times of day he's using his device? So they can see like, you know, obviously at school he uses it a lot. And then his teacher was telling me like, there's there's kids who, you know, they send the devices back and forth, but she's like, when we look at the data, like they're not using it at home. And I think, you know, for the school team, that's really disheartening. And she's like, I'm always so happy to see like Logan is using his device at home and on the weekends. And they're just very encouraging. And we definitely have held up our end of the bargain because it is work. It's not like you get this device and all of a sudden your kid has all these language skills it's work to get to that point. It's a slow process and it takes a lot of patience and perseverance and modeling. I'm always like just, just tonight, Logan, I wanted him to tell me what he wanted for dinner. And normally he has no problem and he will go right over to it. I think he was actually not hungry. So he was kind of avoiding me. And so I went over to it and I punched out. I'm like, okay, here's your options. Do you want chicken nuggets? Do you want ham? Do you want bacon? And then he was able to kind of look over what I had, had showed him. He was like, okay, I want the chicken nuggets which P.S. he didn't eat. So I think he wasn't hungry (laughs) because he'd had bacon earlier in the day. Um, But yeah, just things like that. Like if we can model for him, modeling is one of the best things that you can do. And just getting your hands on the device is so helpful for them to see you doing that. And so I'm always just trying to, in little ways, if I have, you know, something quick, I can punch out on his device just to show him. So, okay. I hope that that's helpful my first hot topic conversation. Again, if you have any questions about 
you know, our journey with AAC. I feel like I was very thorough, but if I wasn't, let me know if you have a question. Happy to answer. And like I said, I will post more kind of in social media to supplement this episode because a lot of this is visual. Um, and if you have any other topics that you're interested in me covering or specific questions for those topics, let me know. I'm excited to kind of dig into this series and it won't be every week. I'll just kind of sprinkle these in here and there. Um, I do have some really great interviews coming up that I'm excited about. So as always, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. I always love hearing from you guys. If you have, you know, questions, comment, feedback, if you want to be a guest, open to all that. I recorded just earlier today with a, a wonderful mama who's been a listener and we just record an episode and it's, it's always so fun to talk to people who are listeners. Um, and I just appreciate it so much. Also, if you are a listener and you are enjoying the show and you have not left a review on Apple podcast, I would be so grateful. I got a few new reviews this week and I was doing a happy dance for each one. Or even, again, just hitting that five-star, also really helpful, and I am super grateful. So that is all for now, and until next time, take care.